Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The late week edition of Crown Corner as we get you ready for Charlotte FC's next matchup and take on an Orlando City SC team that they lost to twice last season. Also coming off of a midweek performance against Tigres in CONCACAF Champions League action. A heartbreaking loss. Will Palach, Jessica Charman here with you. Jess, uh, we sit here now later in the week after what happened against Atlanta. What have your thoughts been about this team just from a a global standpoint going into this matchup? I wish I could tell you I was feeling a lot better and that, like, you know, how time heals things, but that really hasn't happened for me in terms of how I'm feeling about it. I am, you know, and we text back and forth throughout the week, and I would like to say I'm optimistic, but unfortunately, when you look at this Orlando City side, and I watched the game, obviously, last night against Tigres, and what an entertaining game that was, but Mm. they look good, Willie P. They look very good. It's odd because... They look so organized, and the only thing that they haven't done this season is score with the kind of propensity that I think we know they're capable of. But they did score a bicycle kick last night. They did. They got, they got, it was an incredible bicycle kick last night. And the one thing that I will say is that the one thing that is difficult as an antidote for a team that has struggled scoring like Charlotte FC has is a hot goalkeeper, and that's exactly what you get with Pedro Galeste. Yes, he conceded once on Wednesday night, but he has 12 saves amongst 13 shots faced in MLS play this season. There are very few goalkeepers better than him in this league. And the caliber of the saves is what's so incredible. As you mentioned, they've only conceded once in MLS action. That was against DC United, and Galeste is just so good right now, and it's very nerve-wracking when you face a goalkeeper that has confidence because confidence is what goalkeepers thrive on. They thrive on the ability to make big saves. And when they're growing in confidence, when they're believing they can save the unsavable, it makes it very, very difficult. I look back at last night with uh, watching Orlando City and scouting on Galese. Any saving shots that you think are destined for goal? There was one where Tigres had two forwards on his back post for a 1v1. And somehow he still holds his feet and makes the saves. Everyone knows I love a good goalkeeping performance. I am hoping that Galese has a coming down to earth this weekend against Charlotte FC because, as you said, Will, Charlotte FC struggled to score the one goal in the three games. And now you're facing a goalkeeper that's extremely confident. We are going to have to create more opportunities, more shots on goal because a lot of the time against Galese, it's going to take, you know, a postage stamp, an upper 90, a golazo, whatever you want to call it, in order to find the back of the net against him in Orlando City. Yeah, nearly 100 caps for the Peruvian international uh, and his national team and helped also lead Orlando to a U.S. Open Cup victory a year ago. Remember last year when these two teams faced off a pair of 2-1 defeats. Uh, Juan was kind of the main backbreaker for Charlotte FC, scoring the one goal on the transition that involved the corner kick. Uh, thankfully, Juan no longer with the squad, left on a transfer out of town, but Still plenty of great guys on this team, including Pereira and Facundo Torres. One thing that's been evident with their squad is that having to play CCL at the beginning of the year, there's been a lot of squad rotation, 
But the thing under Oscar Pereja is very, very evident is that they have their style. They can play it from a number of different formations. They have very fluid play, and they've got a couple of very dangerous players along with Pereira as well as uh, Facundo Torres. Ivan Angulo has been good as well. Ararujo is also a big, big person. And uh, Duncan McGuire, who scored in the game against D.C., uh, somebody who was the reigning Mac Herman Trophy Award winner. Uh, I really feel like from their perspective, they got a lot of threats They'll have to that uh, Charlotte FC will have to account for on the defensive end. Yeah, they've got a very deep roster. Like you mentioned, Will, and they saw that when they, they subbed out or they had uh, rotated six players for DC United and still managed to pick up the 1-1 tie, and they felt hard done by in that. They thought they should have won that game based on the podcast that I've listened to from a fan perspective from Orlando City. Now, one thing we could say is that we saw against New England Revolution when we picked up our first win a year ago when they were coming off of CCL that they were fatigued, that they weren't the same team, that travel had got to them and that we were able to pick up that victory, not just through our own ability. I don't want to take away from that win a year ago, how well we played in it. But at the same time, the opposition was weakened. Maybe you see that from Orlando City, but at the same time, they played at home last night. Not a lot of travel. Maybe now that they know they're out, they're not so worried about resting. Let's be honest. I talk about this all the time. These are professional soccer players. They should be able to play two matches within a week, realistically, with their bodies. So I think that we can hope that it goes that way of them being fatigued, of them rotating, that maybe they won't have their full strength lineup. But at the same time, I think that whatever happens, Charlotte FC is going to need to be more organized. They're going to be need to be more compact. They can't give up opportunities because one thing I noticed, I'm sure you'll agree with me, Will, is Orlando City looked very quick off of the transition, off mm. of the counterattack. Whereas Charlotte FC looked most vulnerable this season off of that transition when we give up the ball because our fullbacks have been out of position or our centre-backs haven't done the coverage or we haven't had any midfield. So I think that this is the game that it has to click to go right because on the end, you've got a side that's hurting, that feels hard done by. Don't forget, yes, they lost, but they really drew against Tigres in both games. It was the away goals rule that got them through in terms of Tigres beating Orlando on away goals with a 1-1 tie. They're going to be feeling very sorry for themselves and hopefully they're not going for blood when it comes to Charlotte FC and that we can come into this one more prepared so that we don't go 0-4 as of Saturday night. Yeah, you're definitely hoping for a bit of an emotional letdown there, uh, especially if, uh, if in fact, that loss to Tigres, or not loss, but draw an aggregate loss to Tigres because of the away goals uh, gives them a little bit of a feeling that lingers from Wednesday into Saturday. Something that... Uh, was mentioned in Christian Latanzio's press conference earlier Thursday. Uh, we record these on Thursday, so it was earlier uh, as we record today. Uh, you mentioned the fullbacks. This is Christian talking about uh, the system, which was cited by Matt Doyle of MLSsoccer.com as being too complex. Uh, he responded to those terms and that accusation earlier today. I don't think it's too complex. I think that our job... Uh, uh, me and the, all the coaching staff is to simplify everything. Uh, if they don't understand, uh, I think obviously ultimately the responsibility is mine. In that, I I agree. But at the same time, I think we create a lot, and uh, we have been done by fundamental mistakes that they are not really complex to understand. So, just that's a lot from from Christian in terms of what exactly he feels like this system should be and could be, do you feel like, I don't want to say is it too complex, but do you feel like what he wants to see we're getting from the players? Uh, I think ideas can be great on paper, 
you know, and I think that Christian Latanz is a very smart man. Let's not take away from that. His soccer IQ, we know he's trained at the elite levels. He's got great experience prior to being here as an assistant coach in many different high caliber leagues. However, sometimes when you come in and you overcomplicate things and it's not translating on the field and you're seeing errors that maybe are caused by the system, I point to the pinched in fullbacks and leaving ourselves in very awkward positions with a lot of space where a traditional fullback would play. And you start to wonder, is the committing to it and hoping it's going to click in week four, in week five, in week six? How many times do we have to look at it and be like, okay, maybe it's not working and maybe we need to switch things up a little bit. The same with, you know, uh, you asked about Carol Swiderski's positioning in the press conference, Willie P. And mm. he, he's very confident that Carol can be a winger and felt like he saw a lot of the ball. And maybe in reality and touches, if you look at the stats, he did. But I think sometimes when we overlook at numbers, we don't think about the feeling. And there's something about a gut feeling watching the game. And I think that during last season, when we saw Carroll at the number 10 and even at the number nine at times earlier on in the year, the feeling, the emotional feeling, the understanding about the game was that Carroll was far more involved and impactful and more comfortable in those roles. And I don't really care what the numbers say. If we have a gut feeling watching it, surely everyone kind of has that gut feeling as well. You mentioned the, the clip about Svidersky. This is what uh, Chris Latanto had to say when I asked him about what they're trying to unlock with Svidersky on the wing. As football is evolving, is uh, I think is less is is a lot more fluid the way the game is played. So whether you start wide, they they are not. Uh, Whoever plays wide in the case of Carroll, it's not that uh, I tell him that he must stay wide all the time. He needs to stay wide because he will get an advantage to get more free on the ball. But then when he's on the ball, he's free to come inside, to create chances, to link. And I think he was on the ball quite a lot against Atlanta. He had plenty of opportunity. I don't think personally that uh, that uh, that, situ that position on the pitch limited him. Um, but uh, what is important is that he has conviction to play in that position. I also asked about Kerwin Vargas, and, and I know it's somebody who you name-checked in our broadcast on Saturday, Jess. Uh, I understand that from his perspective, I understand that Vargas is a young player in the eyes of Latanzio, but five chances created of the players who have played in Charlotte FC season, that's second best to, to Ashley Westwood. So I, I just... In, in my opinion, and this is again, or we're just we're just throwing opinions here. We all love this club. I'm not trying to to throw disdain or or shade at the manager. Carolyn Vargas, in my opinion, needs to see more time because it, it just feels like he's one of the few guys who have really given Charlotte FC opportunities to put the ball on frame. One of the few guys that get fans up on their feet as well. We saw it in those moments that he got in the last home game against Atlanta United. Fans were getting on their feet because they really, truly believed that something was going to happen to him. Christian Latanzio explains that one of the reasons he's not been seeing as much of the field is because he doesn't feel like he's as strong without the ball, but I think we saw an improvement of Cohen Vargas on the defensive end. I think I remember several trackbacks against Atlanta United, and you've got to think, didn't concede in the second half with Cohen Vargas on the field during that period of play, so he obviously wasn't doing anything too wrong, and yes, of course, Atlanta United took the foot off the gas. They didn't have to keep scoring, but I think Atlanta United keep playing and kept being in that attacking third on numerous occasions. So uh, I get the argument and I get that you want your wingers to be able to offer 
defensiveness, particularly when you're playing with fullbacks that maybe aren't your strongest fullbacks or we, we don't have a luxury when it comes to the fullback position. Nonetheless, I think you've got to give the kid a chance because you've got to give him a chance from the start. It's not the same getting 10 minutes in a game. It's not the same going into a game where you have to catch up with the speed of play. Just give the kid a start. What have you got to lose with how he's been performing so far in this season in the 70 minutes? That's what's so crazy, Will. You're saying he's second best in chances created. He's not even played the equivalent of one full game. Like mm. yeah, it, The numbers, I know I said don't look too much at the numbers, but if you're going on numbers with a lot of your other decisions, surely the numbers push in Cohen Vargas' favor as well. You mentioned the experimentation at both the wing position with Carol Svidersky and the left back with Brand Bronico. Which of the two do you feel like has more staying power in the eyes of the manager? And which one do you feel like maybe returns to a more natural position, maybe even as soon as this weekend? I mean, based on the presser, you would think that Karol Svidersky is the one that Latanzio still thinks has uh, a lot of presence. And maybe that's just because Carol is a talented player and he's able to slot into a lot of positions with Brant Bronico. As I've said, we're all big Brant Bronico fans, particularly you. Let's be honest, Willie P. Mm. But I, I'm a big fan of his style of play too. But as I said on the broadcast, I thought the left back position just set him up for failure, particularly against Atlanta United that were so determined to attack down their right side and, and exploit Brant Bronico for maybe his uh, naivety with the positioning just because it's not a position that he has had a lot of reps on. And I think that we missed we miss the pitfall of Brown Bronico, the workhorse, the the putting in the crunching challenge that you see in defensive sentiments. So I'm hoping he can move into a, a more natural position because I think not only was he not able to show his best when he was playing at left back, we also saw that gap that we missed from Brown Bronico and we see why he was undroppable and is the player that featured in the most games last season because Brown Bronico is that heart and soul when it comes to being in that CDM role. Yeah, it was just incredibly galling to see him at, at left back in that game against St. Louis, especially after it seemed like him and Westwood could provide a, a willing partnership as a double pivot or even Westwood and Jones. You know, th this is obviously something that is going to develop over the course of the season. And, you know, I also feel like maybe another left back can emerge, whether it's Mora or Awful. I didn't think Mora played bad at all in the first game that we saw him. I thought that, you know, we actually talked about him possibly being kind of the man of the match against New England because of his play. And, and we know Awful can play that left side. He did so uh, to grade a plum down the stretch of last season. My question to you, Jess, because I, I feel like the, the way that the coaching staff has portrayed their form this season is that they are so close. They are creating chances. They are making things happen. The final product just has not been there. Have you seen the degree of high-level chances that – it seems like Christian Latanzio is seeing. I've seen glimpses, glimpses of the talent this team possesses. And we've had some really good uh, attacking moments and fluid transitions. The issue is it's one or two per game, in my opinion. One or two big talking of points that got you and I off of our feet in the booth that had us taking that deep breath, thinking we were about to get a goal call. I don't really think that the results have felt as hard done by as maybe in the first season when I reflect back at it and maybe we felt more hard done by in the first season because that was exactly what it was it was an inaugural season and maybe we thought that you know we felt hard done by because wow we were a first year team we're battling this year our expectations were higher understandably coming into the season an unbeaten team in pre-season I don't think 
many of us expected us to go 0-3 early on. And, and now I'm just thinking, do I feel hard done by 0-3? Not really based on the performances. That, I mean, if you feel differently, please let me know. Hmm. I, I mean, I'm, I'm struggling uh, because the St. Louis goals were very much done by our own sword. Uh, the New England, the New England result, yeah, I think, was I the one. New England, we left with a bit of taste in our mouth. Just that was the one. Oh, and maybe we feel like hard done by because we didn't get a tie. I wouldn't say I felt like we should have won. No, no, no. Uh, that that's kind of the one where it's like if you could have felt like they were going to pick up points in one contest, I would have felt that New England was the one. Um, and the the, la- the last two, I don't I don't think I feel that way about just because I do feel like uh, those other two teams were able to make things happen. I think Atlanta more so than St. Louis. I think Atlanta came out a lot more dangerous than I think uh, I could have even given them credit for. So fr- from that perspective, I feel like where Charlotte is right now going into game four is very much a desperate team. And I do feel like that in that game, if, if you want to draw another parallel to that fourth game that we had last year that got us our first win against New England, is that it seemed like Charlotte FC played desperate. You know, they took shots from all angles. Uh, they were able to start guys on in transitions. And I do feel like that's the kind of spirit, that's the kind of danger that we have to be able to create. And maybe just knowing what's at stake for this one, because a fourth game without points, there's a lot of finger pointing that goes along if, if they don't get something in this contest. Uh, how much do you feel like it just might be in the nature of these players to, to show a different self and, and maybe play a little bit more desperate and channel that in the right way? I think it has to be. As a professional, you take pride in your work, right? Every professional, no matter what your career path is. And for soccer players, it's your performance on the pitch and it's making sure you don't go 0-4 to start a season. So I'm hoping we see a bit of a nasty side in terms of on the field, just getting in, getting dirty, doing your job, making sure you're focused, taking those shots like you say. And I don't think there's any Charlotte FC fan that will care if it's the ugliest game of the season, if you pick up three points, quite frankly. I don't really care how the goals look. I don't really, not bothered, you know, if, if it's a scrappy 1-0 or a fight back at 2-1. All that matters in this is that you pick up a win. And I think that the mentality of these players needs to be to play for each other, to play for the fans, to play for their coach, who is obviously getting a, a lot of questions about him on social media, whether that's right or wrong. Um, and I just think that it needs to come out right now. And these Charlotte FC players need to show that, they are this team that we saw so much potential in when it came to preseason. I mean, you said it last year when we were very much searching for goals and it was a very, very similar line of form when you think about uh, two games without a goal to start and then one goal and a heartbreaking result in game three against Atlanta a year ago. And then they outbursted for a flurry of goals in the next couple of matches against New England and Cincinnati. You feel like, you know, even though we got the one goal with Enzo Capetti in St. Louis, I feel like the next goal could potentially breed some more and, and you can maybe see some floodgates going for Charlotte. I really hope so. And I think so too, Will. I think right now there's a lot of pressure on these players and I think there should be pressure on them. At the end of the day, you're a professional soccer player that comes with the job. But I'm hoping that there's that deep breath of relief once the ball finds the back of the net and also once you pick up the points. Uh, I think that's very important too, just getting that big knot off of the board and making sure that you're able to regain that confidence in yourself. So I'm hopeful. I I am hopeful. And and I said that I wasn't feeling very optimistic. But the more we talk, Will, the more I'm hoping that we get to do a a three-point picture on Saturday. 
I'm ready for it. And uh, maybe we even bring some Mickey ears since we are playing in Orlando. Why not? Uh, we'll be on the air at 7 o'clock on Saturday night uh, across the Charlotte FC radio network. Uh, you can find our affiliates at charlottefootballclub.com and, of course, our flagship station, 92.7 WFNZ. You can listen on their app uh, 24-7 as well. So be sure to sync it in. We'll be doing some time checks uh, throughout the early portions of both halves to make sure that you can sync it up with the MLS season pass and Apple TV connections. Jess, I'll see you Saturday. Stay fried up. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon. We will talk to you on Saturday. Thank you so much for listening to Crown Corner from WFNZ.